Welcome to Woman Up, everyone. Our purpose of this podcast is to connect women from all over the world with the most powerful tool of storytelling. Once a week, a wonderful woman will share her journey with us, focusing on different aspects of her life, aspects that each and every one of you will be able to relate to and learn from. We're all connected in this life, and what better inspiration than your woman next door? Let's find the next woman together. Woman Up is back at it this week, everybody, with a new episode. Welcome to the show. We all hope that you're doing well moving into the winter season wherever you are in the world. Woman Up comes from all over internationally, and today we are talking Greece and Canada, specifically my hometown, Calgary, and we are welcoming Dina Otoni Batistesa to the show today. And I'm so excited to introduce Dina to all of you. And I like how everyone refers to her as Miss Dina, who has a blog called Move Play Mom. And I was the first attracted to this blog or this Instagram page via my sister, which is really awesome, women connecting with women. And Dina's blog was created to document her family's journey towards simple living in 2017. This is also the time that they decided to take a minimalistic living to another level. They sold everything they owned and downsized their life and home. In the blog, Dina discusses that and how they did this with a 1979 split level home in under 65 days. What I also love about Dina is she's a mompreneur. Yep, you heard that right. And she's busy. She has a massive line of education and today finds herself in children development, child development, She founded and co-owned Akidemy, which is a preschool, and that started in 2014. Akidemy is a unique Regio-inspired program which offers high-quality initiative early learning to over 96 children each school year. I'm so excited to welcome Dina to the podcast, everybody. Hi, Dina. Hi, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be able to be a part of this and to dive a little deeper into my journey and see how it inspires you guys. With that being said, can we just start to talk about how did everything start? Just take it from the beginning. Oh, how is it all inspired? I mean, if you want to really dive in, we go way back because I think it's it's who you are, it's how you're raised, it's you know, the music you listen to, the passions you have, the people you meet along the way on your journey that inspire you towards always bettering yourself in some some way at some capacity. And for me, it's always been about a journey of happiness. And, and at the end of the day, and I've said this before, not about trying to chase the happiness, but be happy. And I think I always was interested in blogging and sharing. Um, it's kind of my passion. You're just naturally a caregiver. It's why I do preschool for a living. It's kind of all the things that come together, but then being able to give that back to community at some capacity. And so, I I mean, I was blogging in the days where blogging wasn't even a thing in like 2005, six, seven, eight. I had another blog at the time. It was a mom blog. It was more about my parenting journey as a step parent. And then that sort of evolved and and came to a, a halt. And I think in our life, we were at a point where we wanted to stop chasing the happy and be happy, like I said. And it was a book that actually inspired me to start a new blog. And to start a new journey and to really move towards a more minimalist lifestyle. So it's called Everything That Remains. And it's by one of the minimalists, Joshua. And the funny thing is, is 
I read the book before it was a thing, before Minimalist had a Netflix show, before all of that sort of came to be. And it just so happened that the show was on on Netflix or the documentaries on Netflix. And I think it was launched in 2017. My whole life I've been a minimalist. I think that's just who I am through and through. I just, I'm not a collector of things. I don't attach myself to nostalgic items. I feel like I hold those memories within and that's where they stay. And I'm at peace with that. I think a lot of people have a difficult time with that. But I think also just having been through what I've been through as a child, through love and loss and just seeing people pass away in my life that were very important to me and holding on to memories were and the joy in those memories as opposed to the things I've always felt that way and being able to take every a lifetime I had in Montreal and move across the country and move to Calgary Alberta that that alone you can only take so much can't and leave the baggage behind whether it's physical or it's mental so I think all of those things accumulated you know, and, and brought us to a point in our life where Ben and I were both, and Ben's my husband, but both of I were both of us were sitting there thinking like, okay, we're living in this time right now in a city where Calgary was booming and there was lots of money and, you know, and keeping up with the Joneses. And you get caught up in that mainstream. You do get caught up in it. It just happens. It happens to the best of us. And I was tired of being caught up. I was tired of the chase. I was tired of having all the things and my kids had to be and do all the things just to keep up with everyone else. And it just felt all like I had all this pressure around me that if I didn't, then I wouldn't be good enough and I would never be happy. And I read that book, Everything That Remains, and I had a massive spark within that just it reignited who I truly am to the core. And it shook me. It shook me so hard that I said to Ben one night, like, I'm done. I want to sell everything we have. I want to sell this house. It was a 4,000 square foot house, you know, a ton of space and rooms that we didn't use, that we didn't need, filled with all these things that we didn't, <laughs> we didn't need. And I didn't want my children to think that that's what living was that the guy across the street who had a McLaren, that that was normal, that, you know, having all the things and being in soccer six days a week and, and having the best shoes and the cleats and the this and the that, that that was normal, that buying a $2,000 bicycle that because everyone has one, that that was normal. I was tired of that. I was exhausted. I was never raised that way. And neither was Ben. His parents were very well educated. Financially, they were very, very comfortable, but he lived a very holistic lifestyle. Ben grew up on a hobby farm on 20 acres. They had, they grew their vegetables. His family came from Italy and settled here and took what they knew about life. And it had nothing to do with things. And, and those things did not bring them joy. And those things were not what love was about. And so the two of us were sitting there saying, you know, yeah, we, we could do this and we should do this. And so that's where the blog started. The first entry was about how we were going to sell our house and the day it sold, we weren't going to, we weren't going to just run out and buy the next greatest thing. We were going to sit in the discomfort and we were going to reflect and we were going to live in a two bedroom, 1000 square foot house, which we rented and furnished because our plan was to sell everything we had and wait for the right place to come. And so we did. We, our house sold within a week. 
And I actually was in Montreal at the time. Ben listed the house. Ben's a realtor. So he got his partner at the time to, to be the listing agent. And because he was a realtor, we did have access to what was coming on the market. We had already set up that when I came back from Montreal, we would be settled in a condo for three months with the plan and the intent that if something were to come up, then we would make our move. But while I was in Montreal, I had already scoped out neighborhoods I wanted to be in and like an idea of what I was looking for. I wanted out of the cookie cutter, everyone's same house, the front garage door with the kitchen in the back and all of the things that the 2,500 and up square feet, like that was out for us. And so there was a community in particular that I was interested in, Coach Hill, because it was a very mature community. It was older community. It had a lot to offer in diversity in terms of even economics. You have, you know, multi-residential housing and you have, you know, estate areas, but it's much of a, much more of a blended community. And there was big lots, which I loved. I wanted a big yard. I wanted green space for my kids because outdoor and being outdoors and being in nature is very important to us. So when this house came up on the market, it was a 1979, never touched, hadn't been renovated from the day it was built, very unique layout. And it was sitting on almost a quarter acre lot, which was massive for living pretty much almost, you know, inner city suburbia as well as in front of us, we live on a crescent and was a massive green space where there was trees and my kids could go and frolic in the outdoors, which was so vital to their childhood and so important to me. And Ben called me and he knew right away, we both called each other and we're like, I'm like, listen, you gotta go today. I don't care what we gotta do, but this is it. Like, I'm not there and I can't see it, but I trust you. Like just seeing the layout and it was 1800 square feet above grade. So you gotta understand we went from 4,000 to 1800. That's more than half, right? And we're five people in our house. It's my husband and I, and we have three big growing boys and dog. So it was a major shift for us to make that move. But we were like, listen, it looks like we could use every square footage effectively. And that was what's important. Like I wanted to make sure that everything had a place in, this, in our home. And so Ben went the next morning, toured the house, FaceTimed me. And I was like, make an offer, full list. This is our forever home. And that's how the journey started. It's very interesting to hear the story, especially because... You're both come from European backgrounds. You're both Italian. Relating to Evie and I, we're both Greek and we've lived in, I can say now, you know, being in this different type of lifestyle where everything is naturally grown. You use the space, you have storage, but everything is used. Seeing what I'm currently in right now that used to be just a shack and how my dad got to build and expand it as he got older and it was given to him and all these things handed down, whatever bought, but the way that he structured the upstairs is like, okay, I have three children. I have this, I have that. This is how it's going to go. And he could have built, kept building and building and building. It's just really cool to see the cultural that's been instilled with us because I think our roots are deep, regardless of where you were born. It's how you were raised in, in that authenticity of they didn't have much. So, why should we have so much? Why is there this constant drawing into needing more and needing more and needing more? Like, why is that, do you think? And how are you able to shift now these three growing boys that are living in this? 
Well, that was the problem. I feel like seeing the more, 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 the easy access to everything, whether it's information or things, like it's just hitting us so much quicker than ever before in our time now. And I feel like we are at a point in humanity where we need to learn how to navigate that. And it's us as the next generation of adults who are raising children to make that our responsibility. And that's my role as an educator has always been about being able to problem solve with the younger generation. I mean, I have a now 20 year old. He obviously impacted that as well because I could see as he was going through his teen years, how that was weighing him down, how his friends were riddled with anxiety and depression. And where was that stemming from? It was stemming from this fake desire that's not even there to have more. And you know what the thing is? It's fleeting as soon as you get it. And that's what I've taught my kids is it's fleeting. It comes and it goes so fast. Those are not the things that we harbor and hold within us that are positive. That's the physical weight that was weighing them down. And so I agree with you hundred percent. I could see the simple living as a child growing up you know, my parents, what they had, my grandparents growing up downtown Montreal, having a garden in their backyard and, you know, still growing their vegetables, even though literally 10 feet away was a grocery store, right? Because they believed in putting the effort in and, and loving what you had, whether it was putting in your body or the people around you or the things, a few things that you could afford. And then somehow we lost that along the way. You know, I think our families come here for a better life and they want us to do better. And they're like, go to school and get an education. And then you can have all the things that I didn't have. And that's a generational thing. A doctor makes doctors, a lawyer makes lawyers. You know, you've got to keep up and you've got to always do better and do more. And it took, honestly, my teenager being like, whoa, you know, it was around the same time that like, no. I don't want to be these things and I don't want to do these things. And are these are the things that you want to do. And so that intergenerational conversation and sharing of that information and being like, okay, what's healthy for our minds and what can we do led to that. And so, yeah, it was super important as a parent that my two younger biological children, when we first made that move, it was even more important for me at that time because they were little. And I was like, okay, my stepson was a bit older and I'm like, hey, he's at an age where we've been through this. And now I want my younger ones to be able to learn in a different way. I had the opportunity to grow as a parent because I walked into a relationship where there was already a child and I was a young 24 year old with a two year old. Right. So when I had my kids later on, I, you know, the, the, I was the first, I was the, the sacrifice one. So I know what it's like to be my, my stepson where you're learning as a parent along the way and you only want to be better. So making the move to the condo was step one in that learning. You know, we were all living together in a very small space in a two bedroom. The three boys had to share a bedroom together, a, a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 15-year-old. Throw them in a room together and they had to learn to get along and share and make use of their space. And that's when we really like opened up the conversation about what toys can we bring? What things do we really need? How much clothing do you really need at 15 years old? You know, do you, are these things that are really important to us? And so 
that transition in the condo really helped with the transition into our home and the design aspect of the house. So once we purchased the home, we had the floor plans and we were able to get in a couple times and make measurements and really reflect and take my kids in to that with us. They had a say in what that was going to look like, what the playroom design was going to be, what we would hold and what we would keep and how things would come and go within the house. They were a big part of that. And then the day we took possession on September the 7th, we made a commitment that we were going to document the journey, the hard, the challenging, the crazy, and do it in eight weeks. In eight weeks, we were going to completely gut and renovate and share the experience with my followers and be open and be transparent about it. And it was an incredible journey and all the pictures along the way, I kept them in black and white. And I revealed our house in color because it was the moment we were starting this new, beautiful, simple lifestyle that we were gonna make our home our sacred space that we were going to make sure that anything that came and went, whether it was things or people, that they had value. And so I think that's where the biggest turning point for us as a family was, right? As a journey, I think for my kids, it was, and it will always be this incredible experience that maybe right now they don't know, but in hindsight, they're going to be like, holy shit. Like my parents took this massive leap and it was for the better because they wanted us to be better humans and we're better for it. My parents, my kids know it's experience over things all the time. So your kids right now being younger and, you know, understanding up to a point, was there a lot of resistance going from like a 4,000 square feet home to like the one you guys in right now, even though they had a saying, was there resistance there? There wasn't necessarily, I think there was a lot of excitement because they were involved in the process. I think they understood what was happening. Even my, I mean, now he's 10, but four-year-old at the time, you know, for him, I think it was a more of an understanding of, well, why am I getting rid of, why am I getting rid of these toys? Like, why do I need to let go of all of this Lego? And there was like, I think there was conversations and I've documented that as well on our blog, those conversations specifically with my children and their voice. I think I even had Dominic write a blog entry with Anthony. He was eight. So for him, it was also a different experience for him. It was, he was the one who was so super into it. He was like, let's do this. He's an outdoorsy kid. And to see from going from a very concrete jungle of a community that we were in with a very small yard to now having this massive green space in front of our house with trees and that he could climb and they built lintus in and they did all these, he, he could, he saw the future. He was like, I'm in hundred percent. I'm, I'm good with this. And then our oldest, I feel like for him, he had gone from having a whole basement to himself, lots of space to spread out and sprawl and have friends over to just being more mindful. I think the transition was maybe a little bit more challenging for him at the beginning, but on the other side, now he's 20 and he's like, you can see what it's given him, the gifts that it's provided him. And he is better for it. He, and he, he'll tell you that himself, which makes me realize like, there is no wrong in that. No one can argue 
that less is more. Like if someone can try and tell me that and I can come back with a rebuttal every single time that they're wrong. We, the stats are out there. This I'm a super science-y, like in science and research and data. And it's there. The data is there. So like you cannot say that it's not the best thing for our future, our kids, our world, our environment. Like it all comes back to those things. Well, and life in, in Europe too is very, or even like take New York. You know, you can't have a king size bed in your apartment in New York City because it's very small. And working with the space. Now, that being said, with the kids' resistance, I think as much as I think it's a learning process for both parties. I'm sure you went through the emotions too. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, there's always this part of you that's like, am I doing the right thing? Am I crazy? We had friends obviously be very, you know, concerned, sometimes judgmental. And that was another thing. So at that same time, you want to talk about a spiritual journey. For me, it was a time to really reflect on who is in my life. What are my values for what I want that are going to guide my life, my life? This is, you get one shot, right? You know, every day you wake up and, and, and that's done. You know, you're on to the next day and you're just getting closer to what we don't ever like to talk about, which is death. And we don't know when that comes. And so for me, it was like, who do I really value and align with. And I went through all of my friendships, whether they were just acquaintances or close friends I grew up with and had a history with. And I made a list. I made a list and I did pros and cons and I reflected back on that. And I circled back over a few days and I let go of people. And some people I had hard conversations with about it. Some people I didn't need to because it wasn't even a reciprocated relationship to begin with. And it proved to be that with just letting go. And then I made a list of like the 10 people that mattered to me. And I made an effort, and this sounds crazy, but I made an effort to schedule in every week, either a conversation or a text or just being able to keep in touch. And I, I, I time block everything because I find it, it keeps me on track just with everything that I do in life. I've got so much going on and I wear very many different hats, but I knew that if, if I wanted to really put in the effort, then I had to make time for those people. If I cared about these people and I wanted them to know that, then I had to make time for them. So I did that. And so, yeah, I think it was in every aspect of our life, whether it was, you know, the home, my friendships, for me, yeah, some of the challenges, listen, I like fashion I'm from Montreal, like we all have a vice. So that was the biggest challenge. I have a blog on that day too, where I let go of a lot of the things that I had, but I was like, I don't wear these uh, Chanel shoes, or I don't need this bag, or I don't need these things. Like, who am I? And selling them or donating them or whatever it was and letting all those pieces go and really building a much more wardrobe that I loved as opposed to a wardrobe that had a bunch of things. And then that came back to creating what we call our family like house rule. And it started with that. You talk about what the challenge was for me was my clothes. And so being like, okay, Dina, you brought it down to this. Like, this is what you can control and manage. You have these things, that, these items that you love and you've got these shoes and these bags. And it was down to like five pairs of shoes, which for a woman, let's be honest, is crazy. Five pairs of shoes, 
three bags. I wasn't a big bag person anyways, but three bags and like a wardrobe that was built around functionality. And then I said, you know what, Ben? Every time something comes in, something has to go out. And that became the rule of the house for all of us. Every time something comes in, something goes out. Okay, Anthony, you want to buy yourself a new Lego set? You got to let go of one thing. And so that is how we learn to maintain the simple living in our stuff. And if you want to talk about biggest challenge for me, that probably was it. And then when we finally were able to get down to that, like, this is our rule, this is what we follow, and this is what we believe, it just made it so much easier because we had a boundary. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Us women can totally relate with the whole wardrobe. It's never enough. I was just reading a quote um, a couple of days ago, and it was like, do you wake up every morning thinking that, oh my God, I have to buy new clothes or I need a new wardrobe? With that being said, I want to touch base on the block a little bit more. And with a few words, if somebody were to ask you like to explain what a parent or a person or somebody will gain, regardless of their title, what somebody would gain by reading your blog? I feel like it's just an eye-opener to possibility, to understanding that, you know, you said it. You just said it. You said, I, we, we all do. I wake up and I say, I want to knew this and I want to knew that. And I think we're missing the point. I think what we don't realize when we're doing that, whether it's a thing or a person or I miss this or I need that or I want that or I, is you're not happy. You're not happy. You're not happy. So you need to sit down and then really go dive deep into yourself and say, man, I'm just filling the voice. I just don't want to go there. I don't want to admit that I'm not really fulfilled. And so I'm finding ways to, to find ways to fulfill and fill, fill those things, fill the need, fill the desire. But again, like I said earlier, it's fleeting, you know, cause you wake up the next day and you want more. And so I think with my blog, you can see that that was the process for us. Like I didn't want to chase it anymore. I was so tired of that because I was reading every book on like, awesome, happy, the happy house, like the whole, every author out there who's written a book on happiness. And I was like, what is the magic sauce? Like, what is the key? What do we need to do? And it always came back to thinking about like finding what you really want out of life. I think a lot of women don't do this. Have you ever sat down and really said to yourself, what are the five words that are going to be my guiding words for my life? And those things are flexible and they can change. Fair enough. But have you ever done that? Because I didn't. And when I did in 2016 and I was like, these are the five words, you know, integrity. I want that to be who I am. And when you take those things and those words and you, you dumb it down to something so simple, you realize that all the stuff and all the shit and all the people and all the keeping up is nothing. It's meaningless. And it doesn't bring us joy. You know, yes, we need money to make the world go round. But, you know, I, I read another great book. It's called The Millionaire Teacher. And he talks about how you can have a fulfilling life and you can invest your money on even a teacher salary. Because we all know the teachers, I am one of them, don't make the greatest salaries in the world. But with that, you can still lead and live a life that's filled with like travel and experiences. And you don't need to keep up with what uh, 
Joan and Sam have next door because that's not the things that are going to make you happy. And if you have those words written down, then you will find your happiness. And so, yes, coming back to what you asked, what will they find when they see, when they read the blog? That's what I hope they find. I hope they can look inwards and say, wow, this is really hard, but I can do this. And maybe we were a little extreme because as you continue on the blog, we went on a whole no spending year, which was, I mean, not, that's not for everybody. Right. But that was a very difficult time. It was so hard. Even for us, we went through seven months. And by the seven months, Ben was like, this is crazy. Like we don't need to live this extreme, but I wanted people to see that, you know, if we can do this and we can find the joy in the experiences rather than buying the things or going out for dinner or doing this or doing that. Listen, it all comes back to, to like people living in debt and people having, you know, struggles with financials and people, but realizing that you really don't need, it's not about that to be happy. <laughs> and, you know, if someone's listening right now, that's having a very hard time, maybe they just got laid off or financially they're struggling. Yes. I know those things are hard, but I'm telling you, those are not the things that bring you joy. Even in the hard moments and in that journey, you can find joy and you can find you're happy. And I hope that that's what people take away. It's really cool to hear you really express that down to, you know, what people might read as your first page. And it's also very, I'm going to say ballsy to share that, to share your journey and to be vulnerable and upfront about it because it is another way to, to live. You're basically explaining another level of fulfillment. So if we can get past the filter of this is what I need to be happy, as we've said before, external objects are not going to make us happy. It's not the more you have and it's not the more money you have and all these things. So fundamentally coming down to like, what is your core of joy and happiness, which you have to create from the inside out? It's not cliche. It's legit. It's legit. Listen, I'm just going to jump in for a sec because I think what happens though is people are going to hear this or look at me or look at my blog or they follow me and say, oh, and I've dealt with this part. You have it easy. Like you have a job, your husband works, you guys had, you know, you came from, listen, we came from very middle-class family. So it wasn't like we were rolling in it or anything, but everything we had we worked for. Like, I think that's something that people need to understand. You know, even on, on my blog, I've had comments or through Instagram, I've gotten very nasty messages, but we started with nothing. We've been there. We know, you know, I paid my way through school. I had my own debt and I made choices because I did have those things lined out and said, these are my goals. These are the actions I'm going to put towards them. If you're not going to put actions towards your goals and you're just going to sit on the other side of the screen and make comments and say, well, you had it easy. Well, I'm sorry. That's, that's not, you get to choose what you want to do. So you've got to be mindful of every choice you make and you can't sit there and make an opinion about someone on the other side when you don't know their journey or their story. So yeah, sorry. I just wanted to add that in because I think it's easy for someone to say, oh, but it was it was easy for them. Like they could sell, they had a 4,000 square foot home. Yeah. But you don't know how we got there. And then to unravel that was hard as well. What you said earlier, and I you took the words right out of my mouth because that's what I was exactly going to get to was it's action. So I really like the exercise that you gave people to do. Choose your five words. And I wrote happiness equals, and then one, two, three, four, five. So I can go back to that and really have a focus and how 
those are going to be my words until fulfilled because they're going to be interchangeable. So this level of fulfillment through action, again, nothing falls out of the sky. Now, in this whole process of the getting married, having your children, having all your studies, child development from our conversation was something that you realized you wanted to do and be involved in from a younger child. So I want to talk a little bit about how that came up, why child development, when I want you to segue right into Akidemi and really explain how Akidemi as a preschool might be different than your traditional preschool. Yeah. Well, I think I've always, from a very young age, wanted to teach. I played teacher as a child. I make all my cousins sit down and choreograph songs and make shows for our parents. It was just kind of in me. And I was the community babysitter. My parents would put me into leader and training at at the YMCA. Like all these little things kind of added up to leading to an interest in working with children. And, you know, I was a hockey player. I played hockey at a very competitive level and I was the captain of the team. And so often was in a leadership position. And so I think you learn to have those conversations and give back and psych your team up and you take those things forward as an adult and you find ways where how, how can I then use those tools and those techniques and those, that education and who I was and bring it all together in your formative years to work towards a direction of who you want to be. And I think people struggle with that. I think, and I see it, I have an adult, I have, I own an adult, I have a child who is now, I don't own him, who is now 20 and who's becoming a teacher actually. And it's interesting because you see that path and that journey come together with your own children or your nieces and your nephews, you kind of get to know them or friends, you know, their kids. And you're like, Oh, I can see why they are who they are becoming. Like remember when he was like this or he did that, or she was like this. And I think those all add up. They're cumulative. And there I, I found myself in, in university, just always being very curious about children and even about my own self. Like how do we come to be, how do we come to this world? And I really wanted to hone in on child development. And at the time, there was more of a movement towards moving away from the blank slate. We come into this world of blank slate and then we nurture our children. And we, in our community, in our society, we're the ones who make them who they are. Well, no, no, we actually don't. I think there's a part of it that's nurtured, but I think there's also a strong part of it that's nature, that children come with being capable and confident and resilient. And sometimes is it us that's actually breaking those things down? How do the children see the world? How do we then take their voice and allow it to be spoken in a way that's respected, right? So I think for me, that was the beginning through my university years and then through my work experiences in the field and then my experience as a mother And a mother who then looked back at her own parents and how she was parented and the people that raised me and how I was raised, what I wanted to bring forward and what I wanted to be that was different. You know, Shafali Tsaburi, she's a great psychologist. She focuses on conscious parenting and uh, the awakened family. And these are all books that I read many years ago that I think, again, it just all comes together and kind of builds up to where we are now in our life, in all aspects of our life. But, you know, it was this respect for the child that I think led me to academy. 
I, I manifested a kidney in its own way. That's a whole story in itself. And then a kidney was born and it was founded on this belief that yes, exactly what I said, children are capable and competent and need to be respected. And it's pulled from the roots of the Reggio Emilia approach, which is founded in Italy and is kind of woven into another philosophy that we call the emergent curriculum approach. And it's all based on children's interests and how children view the world and how we can be their co-researcher and their co-learner and their co-dreamer. And how can we bring those things to light and show parents when they come into academy or we send them an update on how their child is doing or a weekly update on the project work in the class that children learn through this beautiful intentional play through their curiosity, through their wonder, through their interest. And if we can build that confidence in children that we can bring and validate their feelings and their ideas that we're going to create a better tomorrow, that they're going to have a love of learning and that they're going to grow up to be resilient teenagers who make then better decisions because they've had positive attachment and positive experiences and they've learned to tap into that wonder and curiosity and carry that forward into life. And then they get to this point where they're, you know, it all comes back to science where they're their, their prefrontal cortex is able to make decisions and say, you know, I, I remember that because I've been validated. I've been, I've been respected. And then we create better adults. So it's this huge cycle. And that is, that is the kid of me. That is what I hope the children who come through my program and the parents who experience it and then learn from us, gain that even in a little way and make those little changes and, and have this opportunity at what we call now the academy way. It's our own philosophy. Can you get a little bit more into depth about the ages and how can somebody enroll? Yeah, so our, our program is essentially three to five. We do take children sometimes as young as two and a half, as long as they're ready for the type of just, you know, program that we're offering. And we have two locations in Calgary. So we have one on the west side of Calgary in the West Springs community. And then we have one more central in the Hillhurst Sunnyside community. And, and it's easy enough. Just go to academy.ca. It's A-K-I-D-E-M-Y. The spinoff on the name comes from the fact that we push so much on children academics that I, you know, I said to my business partner, I, I, when I approached her about becoming partners, I said, listen, everything's on the table, but the only non-negotiable is the name. You cannot change the name because I'm sick of hearing about academics or this preschool is academic and this, you know, all these names that like, pull in that, that like education is, you know, where they're going to learn their one, two, threes and ABCs, that that's, that's the foundation of like their success. And I was like, no, we're going to call it academy because this is a place where kids come and they do the academics that they need. So, and so that's sort of where the name came from, but academy.ca, check it out. You can hit, there's a lot of information on there. You can hit what either location and then contact us through there for more information. Is there a long-term vision for Academy? Like you just opened up a second location. Is there more for this to come or do you have a plan? Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like anything else, like we've talked about, Academy has its own values and vision and it's evolved over eight years. Tristan and I, nine years now, Tristan and I sat down together and came up with a three-year business plan, something that was going to guide us for the first three years. And in that first year, we did everything inside out. We wanted to experience firsthand what it would be like to be the frontline workers, to be the admin, to be the marketing, to be all the things that you know make a business. 
And we also had no money to pay anybody else. So that was part of it too, you know, and that's being at the bottom, you know, we didn't cut ourselves a check for a very long time and you invest your own money and you take that risk and, you know, you, you journey together, you know, as lucky enough, I wasn't a sole proprietor. I was someone who was in a partnership with somebody. It is like a marriage. And here we go, you know, we're taking this big leap and crossing your fingers. And, you know, as long as I, I always say to any entrepreneur who comes to me, who says, you know, can you give me some advice? I always say, listen, the journey you're learning, you're learning. So whatever, you, if you believe in what you're doing, you believe the intent is good, that you're giving back, that it's, it's real and it's raw and it's authentic and someone's going to gain something from it. And you really, truly, deeply feel, believe that, then go run. What are you waiting for? Someone else is going to fill the gap before you do it. So we did that. And, you know, year two or three, there's always bumps and humps in the road and things change that make you evolve. You know, we took on staff and then we wanted them to feel valued and, and just like our children and validated and respected. And we took, we had a, a whole session, a dream session and took their advice and their feedback what they felt were the values for the business and it evolved and it evolved. And then we went to Reggio Emilia, Tristan and I, we went and we wanted to see firsthand, you know, we saved all the money we could to go to Italy together and say, we actually went to Reggio. We saw the schools and the philosophy and practice. It's one thing to say, Oh, we're a Reggio inspired school. We're Montessori. We're this, we're that. But if you don't really go and experience it, do you really know? So that again was another evolution in who we were as a business. And we came back from that very inspired, conflicted, confused, obviously like what can you take and what can you do? And your business evolves again. And now, you know, we opened a second location and during COVID, whoever had a small business, you know, and the word of the year was pivot. Yeah, we pivoted. We created these play boxes. It was another dream we had. We did this whole thing. Was it the right thing for the business? It was the right thing for the moment. You know, as a business, we sat down and as owners and we're like, hey, what's the next step? What are we really good at? And we had a great team and we knew that we can open a second location. We took a risk again during COVID to do that. And we did, and it's been amazing. And we have an incredible team. And we realize that even us now, have, we've evolved and we're now more in like a leadership position. And what's next? Well, if you can see the success of one and two, then it's three and four and five. And so, yeah, I think our next thing without a doubt is, it doesn't sound cocky to say it, but I want to grow an empire. But I know that everything we're doing is with our heart and with incredibly good intention, is innovative in practice and is is best practice. So that can never steer you wrong because our, our values for our business, if you read them and you saw them, then you would say, yeah, that will always guide you on your next step. So the next step of Academy, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's conquer Canada and then we'll see what's next. The whole world is next. Your, the world is your oyster. So honestly, you're a very inspiring woman and I'm just very excited that we got to do this. My next question is, what do you define as success? Oh, success for me is happy. That's what it comes down to, you know, and being mindful of what that happiness is and knowing that it's not the things or the keeping up with, you know, it's really looking in and saying, am I being the best version of who I can be? Am I aligning with these things that I say are those things that guide me to be that person? 
because I feel like those things are going to make me truly happy. And I feel like that's different for everybody. So I can't sit here and tell you, yeah, this is what's going to make you happy. Follow this. This is the the recipe to it. No, you got to reflect and dig and go deep. And maybe it is the big house and there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe that is for you. That is what brings you joy. Fine. But you really need to think about that before you throw it out to the world. I think that's the problem with the world today. But yeah, so for me, it's a happy baseline. It's everyone has a baseline. You know, we go up, we go down and we fall within that. But when I come back to that happy baseline for me, I know that I'm the best version of myself. And then I know that I'm being successful. For those listening for the first time to Dina, Dina has also written a chapter in a book and that book is called, You've Got This Boss Mama. And through everything that we talked about, I can say that you got this boss mama and it's really awesome to know for moms right now and upcoming moms, you know, there's a, there's another realm of women that want to be a mom and they're too scared to because of all the things that they have to do and all the things that they have to have and all the things, right? So the virtue of truly being clear with your success message today is that you have to create your happiness and you have to work hard. And I couldn't agree more with you that you have to dig deep. Being completely honest, the past couple of days, you know, I've had this sense of like loneliness. So how do you shift out of that? So, you know, I took time to reflect as to what is going to make me shift into my happiness today. What makes me happy? So most of the time it's like literally sitting and thinking about what I'm grateful for, what surrounds me and what I've done over the past 72 to 48 hours where I can feel that happiness. It's a constant work in action. I think people also fail to understand that you can still find happy in the lonely, in the sad, in the difficult, in the loss. And I think that's the problem. I think people think that happiness is like this one state. Like I have to be happy and like it's a smile and that's what I'm carrying around. But you can sit in the discomfort And that should bring you joy. If you can do that, you should be able to look back and say, damn, that was good. That was hard, but that was good. What is your message to women today? I think my message would be to be brave and take risks because you never fail. I think people don't understand that even as you're working through something and the unknown, there's something in that. And I think that's just being a teacher. You know that you don't go from A to B. That doesn't happen. You don't just give something to to a child and and they know it. You've got to guide them through that. And it's so beautiful to see when you see a child work through it, when it's hard, when they don't understand. And then when when it comes to them and you see the light go off and you're like, wow, that moment, it wasn't just the moment. It was the journey along the way that brought that child to there, right? And so that should be something you carry forward in your every day. As adults, we forget that. We think we should know because we're adults. We should know everything. So be brave, jump, fall, get hurt. It's okay. You can get back up. And when you can get back up, I think lean on the people, those maybe five, 10, two, whatever it is for you, those, those people that you know will hold you up and will encourage you. Those are your people and let go of the toxic, the people that you don't need, the people you're unsure of, the people that's not reciprocating because those are the people that are creating the doubt and the fear within you. 
Tina, thank you so much. Can you just let our listeners know where they can find you and connect with you? Sure. So you can personally, you can find me on moveplaymom.com. That's the blog. Or you can find me, I think I'm most active on Instagram, which is also move.play.mom. That's my handle. And if you're interested in learning more about Academy, we've got an Instagram account called Academy Preschool, where whether you don't live in Calgary, you know, and you're looking for some inspiration or even stuff to share with your children, we have ideas on there of things you can do at home with your preschool age child. So you check out the Instagram account, Academy Preschool. Dina, it was a pleasure. Thank you for being on our podcast. And uh, till the next time, woman up. Woman up. Woman up. Thank you for listening to Woman Up. You can find all links and websites to our wonderful women in our show notes. We encourage you to connect and follow them. We're always looking for the next woman to share her story with us. To feature the women who inspire you, please contact us on Instagram at womanup, there's only one you.